1: If you are a follower of Christ, you've been confronted with the same question Jesus asked his disciples so long ago, who do you say that I am?
0: And you most likely responded as Peter did, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Join us today as Pastor Rander looks at this truth spoken by Peter then
1: and applies just as much to our world today in this message, Jesus, Israel's true Messiah. He'll be teaching from a number of scriptures, so get pen and paper ready as we begin. Look at verse 17. Verse 17, a divine revelation acknowledged. Verse 17 is a divine revelation acknowledged. Look what verse 17 says. Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon, boy, Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Jesus responded to Peter by saying to him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. This reminds us that Peter by nature was simply a human son of a human father. Simon was a natural father whose name was Jonah. But here, Peter's confession did not come from flesh and blood, which is a Jewish expression referring to a mortal human being, nor did Peter's confession come from Peter's own intellect, nor did his statement come from human wisdom, but rather Peter's statement was supernaturally revealed to him by God the Father. You see, furthermore, a right confession and belief about Christ is important to possess salvation. A right confession and belief about Christ is important to To possess salvation. Romans chapter 10 verses 9 through 10 says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. First uh, John chapter 5, verses 11 and 12 says, and this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. You see, uh, if you have Jesus, you have life. If you don't have Jesus, you do not have life. If you have Jesus, you saved. If you don't have Jesus, you lost. If you have Jesus, you're on your way to heaven. If you don't have Jesus, you're on your way to hell. You either sheep or you're goat. You're either saint or you're ain't. you either going to heaven or you're going to hell. I mean, it's no 15, you don't park in purgatory and get things settled and then go one place or another. No, no, no. You go straight to heaven or straight to hell based on your relationship with Jesus Christ. Salvation comes only by believing Christ alone and making a right confession about who Jesus is. First John chapter 4, verses 2 and 3a says, "By this you know the Spirit of God." Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. My friend, my friend, Jesus was not a ghost. He was not some kind of ethereal being. He was not something uh, mystical or magical. Jesus Christ came in actual flesh and blood. Uh, he came as man and shed his blood to atone and to redeem us from our sins. Look at verse 18. Verse 18 is the triumphant church. The scripture says, and I also say to you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Peter's name means Petros P E T R O S petros Peter's name means Petros, which is translated a small stone. The scripture says in the gospel of John chapter one, verse 42, and he brought him to Jesus. Now, when Jesus looked at him, he said, you are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. But when Jesus referred to this rock, he used the word Petra, P-E-T-R-A which means rock bed or foundational rock. Jesus Christ is the foundational rock upon which the church is built and everyone who believes in Jesus and confesses him as the son of God and savior is a living stone. You believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. You believe he's the only way to heaven. Then you, my friend, you are a living stone. In verse 18, Jesus is not establishing his church. He is not establishing his church on Peter, but rather he is establishing uh, his church on the divine revelation and confession of Peter. Now, in the Old Testament, the Jews recognize the rock as a symbol of God. He says, upon this rock, rock has always been in the Old Testament, a symbol of God. You say, well, how do you know that? Many scriptures on that, but, but for the sake of time, I do, I'll give you a few. Psalms 18, verse 2a says, the Lord is my rock. See there? and my fortress, and my deliverer. You can trust God. You can anchor in him because he's a solid rock and you can't sink holding on to God. My God, my strength in whom I will trust. Look at Psalms 1831. Just jot it down. Psalms 1831 says, For who is God except the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? He's not just my God. He's your God. He's our God. And he is our rock. And Jesus is even referred to as a rock, even in the new Testament, in the new Testament, he is affirmed as a rock. You say, where is it? In first Corinthians chapter 10, verse four, it says, and all drink the same spiritual water for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. Look at that. And that rock was Christ. It's in your Bible. And that rock was Christ. Jesus said, in other words, upon God himself, Christ, the son of the living God, I will build my church. When Christ says my church, uh, he is emphasizing that he alone is her Lord. When he says my church, he says, I I, I alone am the owner. When he says my church, he says, I alone am the builder. Building his church would be done by Jesus himself in the future because Jesus said, I will build my church. In other words, a lot of people today think Israel is a church. Israel Israel is not the church. Israel was Israel and the church is the church. I will build my church, which is referring to future tense, which is saying that his church would be started on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter two. Peter never claimed to be the first pope. Not so. Nor did he claim that he is the rock. Peter never said he was a rock upon which the church is to be built. Not so. But rather, Peter declared that the foundation stone is Jesus Christ, according to 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 4 through 6 it says coming to him as to a living stone rejected indeed by men but chosen by God and precious you also as living stones are being built up at a spiritual house a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ therefore it is also contained in the scripture behold I lay in Zion a chief's cornerstone elect precious and he who believes.'" on him. The Lord Jesus Christ will by no means be put to shame. People will put you to shame. People will disappoint you, but you can count on Jesus. You can count on Jesus. In first Peter two, five believers are referred to as living stones being built up into a spiritual house or temple. You see, my friends, the Lord makes all of us, the Lord makes all of us living members of his church to accomplish his purpose in advancing the kingdom of God on earth. The church, the ecclesia, ecclesia, the Greek word, the church, the ecclesia, which literally means a called out assembly. So when you hear the word church, uh, the Greek word means ecclesia, which literally means a called out assembly, was established by God in Acts chapter 2. All who believes on Christ are under spiritual construction by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. All who believe in Jesus Christ, you are under spiritual construction. Now, some of you say, be patient with me. God is not through with me yet. That is a good statement. I know God is not through with me. You, You think God is through with you? No. If when God gets through with you, you're ready for heaven. I still got room to grow in my prayer life. I still have room to grow in the word of God. I mean, I still have room to grow in my attitude. I still have room to grow in my patience. I still have room to grow in dealing with my, my 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 spiritual maturity and my spiritual growth and all of these things. Now, the other side, some of y'all love to say, well, God is not through with me yet and you never grow. You know, stop saying, don't use that as an excuse not to grow. You are to keep on growing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said upon Peter's divine revelation and profession of faith in Christ, he will build his church. Peter does not suggest even for a moment that he is the rock upon which the church is built. The church is built on the Lord Jesus Christ. The New Testament makes it abundantly clear that Jesus is the chief cornerstone which the church is to be built And he is the only way through which salvation comes. Jesus Christ is the only way through which salvation comes. You say, how do you know that? Because of Acts chapter four, verses 11 and 12. It says, this is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone, nor is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Beloved, this is the exclusivity of the gospel. This is the exclusivity of the gospel. I mean, Jesus is the only way, the only truth, the only life. No man comes to the father, but by him, no man comes. You can't get to heaven unless you go through Jesus. And why would God send his only begotten son to be born subjected to his own creation, to down a cross, shed his blood, to be buried and raised again, and then give you many ways to God. That's not 50 ways to get to Jesus. He is the only way because he is the only savior. Amen. This is the exclusivity of the gospel. Now, what does Jesus mean when he says, upon this rock, I will build my church? What does Jesus mean when he says, upon this rock, I will build my church? Number one, Jesus is the head of the church, and he is also the head of all things. When he says, upon this rock, I will build my church, Jesus is saying he is the what? The great head of the church and he is the head of all things. Ephesians 1.22 says, and he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. Ephesians 5.23 says, for the husband is the head of the wife. As also, Christ is the head of the church and he is the savior of the body. The Lord Jesus Christ is our savior. He is the bridegroom and he is the great head of the church, our Lord, our Redeemer, our Savior. What does Jesus mean when he says, Upon this rock I will build my church? He is saying this. Number two, Jesus is the owner of the church and not man because he purchased the church with his blood. When he says, uh, uh, He is the head of the church, that he built the church. He's saying he's the owner of the church, not man. Now, some, it's not my choir. It is not my church. It is the Lord's church. It's the Lord's choir, the Lord's ushers, the Lord's photographers, the Lord's media ministers. This church belongs to God because God through Jesus shed his blood for this church. In Acts chapter 20, verse 28, it says, therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his blood. Uh, Matthew 16, 18 B says, and on this rock, I will build my church. Thirdly, Jesus is the only sure foundation upon which the church is built. He is the only sure foundation upon which the church is built. Uh 1 Corinthians 3:11 says, "For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ." Matthew 16:18 also says, "and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it." This means the church is invincible. Yeah, nobody else can say they're invisible. The church is invisible. That's right. Because she is built on Jesus Christ. He established the church. In the Old Testament, Sheol and Hades are the place of departed spirits or the ram of the dead. In other words, not even the power of death shall prevail against the church itself, which is the ultimate weapon Satan uses in an attempt to destroy the church. Satan's tried to destroy the church through persecuting the church. Uh, he's tried to split the church. He's 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 done all kinds of horrific deeds against the church from from the birth of the church all the way up to, the, to today. Uh, Satan's been attacking the church and persecuting the church all overseas. Churches are being burned down, Bibles are being confiscated, and Christians are being jailed for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 2.14 says, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death. That is the devil. The devil has tried to, uh, he tried to destroy Jesus, but he couldn't. Because Jesus is God and God whooped the devil and defeated him and crushed his head. Head. Satan for centuries and and millennia, have tried to destroy the church. But look, the church is still here today. Guess where we are? We are the living church in the house of God to the glory of God. Why don't you say hallelujah to the Lamb? Thank God that you can come to church. Thank God for religious freedom. Thank God. And if you don't stand for Christ, you can lose the freedoms that we've gained, my friend. Even the blood of martyrs in times of persecution has led to the spread of the gospel. They can put the church in jail and they'll go in one. But when they come out, there'll be seven churches coming out because they've reorganized themselves in jail. Uh, The gospel grows and thrives. And maybe that's what we need, a good dose of persecution. Persecution, because so many saints have become apathetic. So many saints have become passive. You got to think about whether you're going to come to church, whether you're going to get up. Now, you don't think about whether you go to work. You get to get up and go to work because you want that paycheck. But let me tell you something, coming to coming to the Lord's house on the Lord's day ought to excite you. You, you ought to be like the summons that said, I was glad when it said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Your children ought to be glad because they see the parents glad. You ought to be thankful that you can worship with God's people and worship his holy name, reverence his name in the house of God with your wife, your children, and your grandchildren, your babies and all. To make a statement that Jesus is Lord. Because of the glorious resurrection of Jesus Christ, he has triumphed over sin. Because of the glorious resurrection of Jesus Christ, Jesus, the Messiah, has triumphed over death. Because of the glorious resurrection of Jesus Christ, he has triumphed over the grave, hell, and all evil forces opposed to him and his kingdom. Yeshua, the Lord Jesus Christ, will build his church, preserve his church, and protect his church. Look at verse 19. Verse 19, the keys. Of the kingdom, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. In verse 19, eight, Jesus says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Keys represent authority, and Peter was given the privilege of opening the door of salvation to share the saving gospel of Christ to the Jews on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. Peter used the keys of the kingdom. To open up the door of salvation to the Samaritans in Acts chapter 8, verse 14. And Peter was used to use those same gospel keys to use that authority to open the door of salvation to the Gentiles in Acts chapter 10, as we believers in Jesus Christ have also been given authority of opening the door, of opening the door of salvation through the preaching of the gospel to Jews and Gentile alike and to those who are lost and do not know Jesus. What are you doing with the keys of the kingdom of heaven? You have an opportunity to dispense Jesus Christ. You have been authorized. You have been spiritually deputized. You've been been commissioned to go ye therefore in all the world and dispense the gospel of Jesus Christ. Who are you talking to about Jesus? Some of you are scared to wear your Christian T-shirts. You're now being intimidated about wearing your cross. Some of you keep your Bibles tucked in that technology because you don't want to lay a book on your desk because that draws more attention. You know, they, they don't know what you got in that computer but I tell you when you put that book that's Holy Bible all of a sudden it arrests your attention I double dare you to take a book called the B-I-B-L-E that is the book for me and you put it wherever you go all of a sudden somebody will question you about that book they will either despise that book or they'll love that book I was in a car wash a few months ago and I took out my Bible this same Bible and I began to read at the car wash and a gentleman said what's a good word from that book for me?" me today. That would not have happened if I had not opened that book. I remember. I was flying to India. And as I was flying to India, this flight attendant saw me reading the pages of scripture. And she said, Where are you headed? And I told her, I'm going up into the Himalayan mountains to preach the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. And the same thing happened with another man. And they took she opened her purse and another one opened their wallet. They said, I'm going to contribute to the cause. I said, that you're going to preach in, and would you remember me in prayer? But that would not have happened had I not opened up the pages of the scriptures. Oh, I remember when I was going to the Philippines, could not sleep. And I turned my little headlight on up there, and I opened this same old book that's been all around the world. And I began to read the pages of this book. And I saw out of the corner of my eye this gentleman looking at me. My wife had fallen asleep in the middle seat. And this gentleman was on the other side and he looked and saw me reading and he could tell it was a Bible. He said, I know that book you have. I said, you do? I said, what did he say? It's a Bible. Can you come over here and tell me something about it? And I began to tell him about the Jesus of this book and unbeknownst to me, just a few hours up, people were hearing about the conversation that I was having with this gentleman, gentleman who said come talk to me about this book and they, when I got ready, when I got through witnessing to him going back to my seat, they touch me and said, we're going to another country, but we saw you witnessing to that man and we were praying for you about that uh, instance about the witnessing opportunity with that man. But it all was because I wasn't afraid to open this book. Let me tell you something. There comes a day you need to put the technology aside and you need to get a book and you need to lick your fingers and you need to turn the pages of this book. Folk need to see you being engaged with this book. This book will arrest attention. This book will do what a te- what a little I-5, or I-6, or I-9, or I-20 just won't do. Just open this book and watch God work like only he can work. Why don't you say amen? Verse 19b says, and whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. In this verse, once the church has been established, he delegates authority to church leaders to exercise discipline and make decisions that affect the life of the church. He says, when you act on one accord, in align with my word, in decisions and matters of the church. And when you've consulted me in prayer, led by the Spirit of God, I will ratify, I will confirm, and I will confirm and affirm your decisions as it relates um, at the matters of the discipline in the church. Jesus says in Matthew 18 18, Surely I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I said again, in other words, when the church is aligned on the authoritative word of God and governs herself according to his will. God ratifies and gives his approval for the church to act on his behalf. What's lacking today in the church is church discipline. That's why the church is so anemic. That's why the church is so weak. That's why the church is so impotent. There's too much sin in the house of God. People are on pornography in the house of God. People are flirtatious in the house of God. People are committing adultery in the house of God and people are turning their head. Let me tell you something. You have to straighten up and walk right and be a holy people. God will not empower a sinful person, but he will empower a holy person to the, for a holy God. Come out from among them, says the scripture, and be ye separate to the glory of God. Therefore, the keys of the kingdom refers to the preaching of the gospel, the exercising of church discipline, and the importance of making key decisions that affect the life of the church on the auspices of the, script, of the scripture and the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, Messiah's disclosure with hell. Last verse, verse 20, Messiah's disclosure with hell. The scripture says, then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one. Shh, don't tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. Because many Jews look for a political Messiah. If the disciples were to announce that Jesus was the long awaited Messiah and made a move to crown him king. This would have caused the Romans to rise up and fight against those who attempted to instigate such pol- such a political movement, which would have interfered with the mission of Christ. John six fifteen says, therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force and make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. In other words, Jesus was not, going to permit the populace of his day to make him king before the time. He often said, my time has not come. He was not on man's timetable. He was on the divine timetable of almighty God. In conclusion, Peter got it right when he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. If people do not come to the same conclusion as Peter, then they have gotten it wrong. It does not matter, matter whether one is intellectually astute. If you don't believe that Jesus is the Christ, you are intellectually spiritually on your way to hell. You can have all the degrees you want. Jesus is not going to ask you about your degrees. I'm not saying they're bad, but n- nothing about a degree that will get you saved. You can have the nicest of cars, And, and, and I've seen people, uh, heard of reports where people are buried in expensive cars, but that's not going to get on heaven. They can't drive a car to heaven, my friends. He said, unless we come to the same conclusion as Jesus, Then you're on your way to hell. You must believe and say the same words that Peter said, make the same statement that Peter made, and believe it with all your heart, mind, soul, and spirit. You are the Christ, the Son of the Living God. Can you say that? You are the Christ. The Son. Oh, that was kind of weak. How many of you believe that? Well, say it like you mean it. You are the Christ, the Son. Oh, yo, now, now you know, you know, why, why don't you just act like it's the last Few seconds and the game is on the line, and that quarterback is just inches from the goal line, and everybody's standing up, one saying defense, defense, and the other one is saying offense, offense, and you hollering at that TV, which is an idol that you that can't even hear you. It, it they don't even have ears, but you are screaming at the television, about to knock it out. I want you to stand on your feet right now, just for a moment. Go on stand up and stretch your leg. And I want you to say it a few times. I want you to take the roof off because you need to tell somebody you are the Christ, the Son of the Living God. I want you you say it now. You, you are the Christ, the Son of the Lord. A little bit louder. You are the Christ, the Son of the Holy One more time. You are the Christ, the Son of the Holy And all God's children said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Hallelujah. You
0: are the Christ, the Son of
1: And all God's children said, When we disobey God, we set the stage for our impending destruction. God is our only hope. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We must walk by faith and not by sight. We must obey God and look to the hills from whence cometh our help. And where does our help come? It comes from who made heaven and earth.